Chong Spider, and welcome to Shift <laughs> F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Singlish, ah. Singaporean English, for someone who is, quote, jittery or nervous, which I thought was appropriate because I am itching to go back to Singapore. I'm Drew Scanlon, joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm great. I'm in a hotel in Los Angeles. It might sound like that. It definitely feels like that. And uh, <laughs> for you guys watching me on this webcam, I know it looks like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Macro blocking out the wazoo. Uh, also joining us, Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Not too bad. Uh, a little a little tired from all this careful mining and excavating, Try to, trying to find little nuggets of F1 news this week. <laughs> Oh boy, the this the sieve has come up from the stream completely empty. Uh but nevertheless, we have an episode for you. Uh this is um a Formula One podcast, but if you are new to Formula One itself, we recommend listening to our preseason primer that assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explains how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you'd like to go back and listen to that, it's episode 178. Also, this show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shiftf1, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons that cover racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you would like to support the show and get access to all that fun stuff, Head over to patreon.com slash shiftf1 or click the link in the show notes. What's going on this month, Danny? At the end of this week, we will have our review of Truth in 24, the Le Mans 24 Hours documentary, the first of two that were produced by Audi. Um, so that'll be a fun listen for all of you patrons at the end of this week. And also a massive thank you to all of our incredible title sponsors, Kikacha of the Art, Ash Team Blackjack, Michael Maves, Gordy's Army, At Talking Autos, Olivia Evans, Pyrites, Card Castle, Erica Siegel, Iron Station Studios, Alan McCrary, TelemetryDeck.com, David Mule, Drew Stewart, Bailey Foote, Abdullah Althani, Jason Chadwick, Abraham Getchell, Enzo and Ayrton Bodle, welcome. Do a Bunny All Crime, right. Serve the Bunny Crime, Snakes, <laughs> Alex Couchet, Max Faltar, Circuit Demon, Troy Stammer, Umberto Roca, William Rompf, Irvine Clinical Research, who I'm actually pretty close to at the moment, uh, Lachlan the Maddened Man, and Jason Kelly. Fantastic. Uh, we do have some news here. Let's dive right into the driver market. A Ooh. couple of moves and shakes. Uh, first, Nicholas Latifi announced he is out at Williams for 2023. Reactions, the Danny. The the checks the checks weren't enough anymore the cost was not was too high for the money coming in uh, yeah i mean i i feel i feel i've said before nicholas latifi is the worst of the best drivers in the world which is an unenviable position to be in perhaps um you know i think he's had a couple of nicks and bumps over the years he's had a couple of embarrassing incidents uh He's also driven mostly fairly soundly, I'd say. He hasn't, you know, overly, there hasn't been too much attention paid to him, which maybe in his position is a good uh, thing. But also, he has always been, you know, seconds off his part, off his teammates at the end of a race, I feel like, pretty consistently. Um, so, yeah, it makes sense. At the end of the day, these sort of, more paid drivery situations tend to end this way where it just it doesn't add up anymore um and he had a decent 
run in F1, you know, I think for his skill set. So, uh, yeah, we talk a lot about all the rookies coming through. Let's make some more space for them. Yeah, he was with Williams for three years. Uh, Rob, any any reactions from you? Yeah, I mean, by all accounts, like, seems like a very nice guy. Um, yeah. And a particularly, like, normal guy for someone who, like, comes from enough money that, like, could basically buy into NF1 state. Um, did not deserve to take all the shit he took. I'm um, thinking particularly about, like, his misfortune to get caught up in the tail end of last season's championship race and, like, being blamed oh, yeah. for affecting the outcome there. Um, you know, I, I think it was, it, yeah, it was clear, uh, you know, as going along with what Danny said, it, it was clear that he didn't quite make the grade here. Um, he was also dealt a very difficult hand coming in to the sport. And, uh, it, you know, I, I do wonder if the arrival of the cost cap, uh, is also going to just change. Oh yeah. Uh, just change the math for like what it takes to be a pay driver now. Uh, you know, the, the, it does, it does feel like maybe a lot of teams that were hard up, um, are a little less cash trapped than they were. And so we are seeing a kind of a, a culling of, of the pay mm-hmm. drivers, uh, right now, really, I guess the, the only one we could really point at is one whose family like has bought into the team, uh, like direct family support in that way. But the, the, this model of the, the pay drivers just going to subsidize team operations seems to be at the moment entering a waning phase. Yeah. So, um, Nicholas Satifi will say goodbye after three years with Williams, uh, formula one.com has a little write-up here uh, summarizing who might replace him. I think the the top candidate f- uh, for that Williams would love to have is obviously Nick DeVries, who filled in for uh, Alex Albon when he was out with uh, appendicitis and scored points, uh, beat Nicholas Latifi, uh, having never driven a race in Formula 1 before in his life. Mm. Um, so he's obviously uh, someone that Williams would want. Um, however, he's also wanted by Alpine and Alpha Tauri. Um, you know, however that shakes out. So uh, we'll see about that. The other kind of uh, maybe if they can't get Nick DeVries, another likely candidate would be Logan Sargent. He's currently third in the Formula 2 championship. Um, and he is American, which would be interesting. Um, We'd also have lots of very easy to do quips with somebody with the surname Sargent. I can just my, my I'm so inspired by that. DeVries yes. is harder. Uh, um, Antonio Giovinazzi is also apparently on the table, both for the Williams seat and for Haas potentially, uh, if they decide to replace Mick Schumacher. He wasn't and I bad. guess Mick Schumacher. No. Mm-hmm. Giovinazzi? No. Yeah. Um and then Mick Schumacher. So if if Antonio Giovinazzi comes in, Mick Schumacher would vacate and uh maybe go to williams who who knows that's i think they're saying here uh is a is a stretch uh and then uh and then there's daniel ricardo what do you think about that rob well he was giving comments this this past week about you know he'd be open to uh skipping a year even if it meant he could come back uh i don't know that he necessarily said like come back stronger i think it was more to the term of like make up ground uh, the next year. And I, and I think that might mean like sit out a year and wait for a better opportunity. 
Yeah. Uh, but I'm not sure a game of musical chairs is in his favor uh, at this point. Like, I feel like a year off for him is a year in which people will discover there's other shiny objects uh, in the driver market. And at this point, you know, if he wants to say an F1, I do kind of feel like he would need to go somewhere and prove that he can raise the level of a team. You know, ironically, I think, unfortunately, he'd kind of done that a bit with his time with Renault. Uh, I think they, they, you know, could have had a, a better argument there. Uh, now mm. it's now it's less clear, but yeah, I, I'm not sure. Like, I feel like having that seat open. I don't know that I don't know that Ricardo wants to take yet another step down the grid. Um, but I'm also not sure he has a choice if he wants to stay in F1. Yeah, uh, <laughs> is he is he waiting for Alonso to retire? Because I don't I don't think that's going to happen until. He, you know, is hobbling into his car on a cane. Well, and they're just not going to replace you with Alonzo, like Alonzo with you. Uh, because, yeah. like, so the, the other thing in all this is I do kind of have a suspicion that, like, the IndyCar driver market is on the radar for F1 teams. Uh, and people will make the plans now to at least get some of these guys, like, uh, squared away with super license so they have the option. Uh, you know, Herta wasn't that far off. Um, you know, you've got, you got a lot of people who are hungry for the opportunity in IndyCar, uh, who seem like they might be, you know, decent, decent bats. Uh, you know, actually, I, I don't know. We, we closed the loop on this. Um, after all that, all that happened, um, Polo, uh, Alex Polo, uh, is re-signing with Chip Ganassi racing, uh, by the way. <laughs> um, the the whole, which is interesting because Ganassi, I think it always been very clear that it was just a matter of someone needs to pay us money to go away and like tear up that contract and then you can have him. Uh, you know, no no problem for us. It's just you got to pay us like, I think it was like $10 million. And somewhere in the negotiation, they just decided let's, let's re-up for another year. And I do wonder if McLaren realized like, oh, we, we, we'd have to actually pay the $10 million, uh, like surcharge on this and suddenly we're not into it and the way they sort of uh sort of the face saving uh settlement they've gotten to is polo now has testing dates uh that are going to come through next year with mclaren um that's that's sort of the compromise but uh it, it, yeah it, it does feel like it, for for guys in ricardo's shoes like you got the traditional driver pipeline and then also increasing interest uh on both sides of the indycar f1 divide uh in maybe looking at indycar as a a, a talent preserve for for F1 and I just don't think any of that works in Ricardo's favor at this point. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, <clears throat> if we see next year IndyCar drivers coming in for practice sessions, I think that'll be a, also a, a pretty good indicator of that. Practice sessions, I believe, also give you super license points. Uh so that could be a way also to yeah. to boost the numbers if uh you know, there's a certain driver that a team uh, is looking at. Uh, honestly, one I, more. I, 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 ahead, I honestly, just the last point on the Ricardo stuff. I honestly think he would be a fantastic fit for Indy. Like, I, I think the the, I, the style of driving for some reason makes me feel like he'd be able to like. I think Elizabeth that. Blackstock wrote about this though. The thing is, oh, really? he's made comments about he wants no part of the ovals. Uh, and because so of danger he, stuff, or or just like he's not a into bit it. Of the danger, but mostly his like his line was. I've never done that type of racing, and it is an IndyCar is not the place to learn. Like it, well, in fairness, view, Grosjean had the exact same scenario, right? And well, for danger yeah. reasons, he didn't do the ovals, but now he does, right? Yeah, the Phoenix yeah. is without fear. 
Uh, but <laughs> I'm not sure that's ri- I, like I, I think I think you you make a good point. Like uh, I do think Ricardo would probably get over it. And actually, I don't think the ovals are necessarily the hardest thing uh, to to come to grips with. I think the, probably the the car itself is is different mm. enough that it would throw you. But uh, yeah, by all accounts, it seems like he's been uh, pretty clear that his ambitions would not lie with uh, with Indy. It's funny. I I think maybe I'm swayed because I've always gotten the opinion that he's a bit of an like a merophile or whatever. Like he he likes America. He he likes to spend his time off there. Like he always, you know, we see him like messing around at Austin. You know, there's there's obviously that as well. And it's you know it's closer to home than Europe is culturally too so, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, that's that's fair as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, but at the same time, like he likes LA. That's the other thing I pick up from Drive to Survive is like he <laughs> likes LA. I don't know that he likes, and we're gonna tour the great, uh, the, the great heartlands of this nation in buses. <laughs> I don't know if he likes that. Uh, well, Alfa Romeo sure likes uh, Zhou Guan Yu because they have confirmed him for twenty twenty three, which I think is a solid choice. He he is a He's a solid driver. He had a great rookie year, I think. Um, scored points on his debut a few more times uh, aside from that and hasn't really put a foot wrong. Yeah. What do you guys he, think? He, he, he kind of reminds me of other drivers like who have been in the Alpha. Like we talked about Antonio Giovinazzi a second ago where these drivers are solid, but we're not quite sure where their ceiling is. And it usually takes a few years to sort of realize where their ceiling is. And sometimes their ceiling is a little bit lower than everyone kind of hoped. Um, so I feel like Shogun Yu is a good, great example of, uh, of, uh, you know, he has settled in really well. I think, um, he's done well, but we're, we will have to wait and see, I guess in the, another year will give us a really good idea of just kind of where he's at, um, as a long-term prospect in the sport. It's interesting timing too, because that's just a um, Alfa Romeo is not long for this world uh, in mm. in F one by all accounts. So I, I am curious, like, is his deal really with Alfa Romeo? Or is it with Sauber? Because I think that's that's another like question I have. Is um, oh, it's you know, with as, it's with Sauber. Sorry, I was just right. calling them by their their. No, you know, no, but it's a fair point. Like, who is who is <laughs> yeah. has the backing interest? Is more what I'm getting at. Like, who is invested in making this work? Because part of it was, I think, I think Alfa Romeo di- was hoping to see, uh, like, marketing results in China uh, from from right. this whole deal. And this was a big part of the incentive. I'm not sure the incentives are necessarily the same if you have, I mean, not to say, like, every car manufacturer has massive interest in the Chinese market. Uh, but I, I do wonder if, uh, you know, as, as this transition unfolds, uh, whether the sort of, Audi people who are going to be showing up there uh, are, are going to have the same investment. But, you know, Joe's got a year to show what he can do. Um, and it's not the easiest place to show what you can do, uh, but it worked out for, like, you know, a, a Leclerc. Um, you know, it could work out for him. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's that's all the news we could find. Uh, although I did find this article... Uh, on Autosport about it was an it's an interview with the the aerial camera operator um, that Formula One has been using since uh, 2007. Wow. Uh, his name is Levin Hermans, or he's actually Belgian, so it might be Herman. I don't know. 
Um, but I, I thought this was a fascinating article because I had always had so many questions about the helicopter. So if you'll permit me to indulge my yeah. own curiosities here, um, there are two people in the helicopter, which I, I, I guessed, but I wasn't quite sure. Like it, it can't be just one guy flying and moving the, the camera around. But I also didn't know if like the, the operator was on the ground, uh, but he's actually sitting right next to the pilot um in the the co-pilot seat and has a big control panel in front of him with a a monitor and a sunshade there's actually a picture of it in the the autosport article if you want to see it um interestingly they have to source the helicopter and the pilot for each race on the thursday before that's why which is really cutting it close um and then they bolt on the camera and go for a test flight they they actually used to use the same helicopter and pilot uh, for continental Europe, but axed that due to uh, CO2 concerns. So ah. there you go. Uh, but the pilot has to be briefed. So um, Herman's uh, <laughs> quotes here in the article, the advantage is that we cover every Formula One session. So we have two hours on Friday and one hour on Saturday to get used to each other. Uh, by qualifying, but certainly the race, the cooperation is guaranteed to be in order. The pilot makes for roughly 50% of the end result. It's definitely a team job. It is important that they have a feel for and see what I'm doing as there is no time to explain everything. They have a monitor that they can see which images we are making. Some pilots have more experience flying and looking at this than others. Uh, That seems difficult to me to fly and be looking at a screen at the same time. There are all you are already dividing your attention so many different ways when you're flying a vehicle. Uh, but they're really watching the footage and flying along with it. They're fully involved in the rhythm and the patterns. If they don't follow what I'm trying to do or don't understand what I want, things become very difficult. It's it's interesting because uh, in, I, I wonder how many, sorry, Joe, I, I wonder how many, no, no. this must be fairly common within the field of um, helicoptering <laughs> that you're often doing something in co- concert with something, you know, uh, physical that's happening with the plane be it like or, or with the hell with the machinery be it like picking up somebody or dropping something you know oftentimes helicopter pilots are in rescue situations or or they're trying to recon something you know what i mean it is a bit more like a like a two-person operation but that's wild that the that they're basically green every time yeah i mean i think they they go back to you know the same circuits and so they might hire the same pilot again um but the circuits themselves you know of course uh you know are have things to consider circuits like Jeddah and baku he says are very difficult uh because there are they're basically one long extended line you can't just cut a corner to pick up a car further down the lap if a car is at a certain corner you're on the other side you have to cross the whole track which can take a while but on a circuit like with the Red Bull ring, you can just go to the other side of the track in no time. Uh, buildings and cranes, which are also becoming more prevalent with the recent emphasis on street circuits, are also making things tough. Uh, and weather is a concern. He says, just think of Spa last year. I think that was the worst I have experienced in Formula One. The showers just kept coming, but there was also a lot of fog. And because Spa has a lot of elevation and the conditions mm. in the Ardennes can change very quickly, it can happen that visibility is perfect one moment, but you can hardly see at all the next. When we get to that point, uh, when we got to that point, we said, now it is not okay to work. Right. And speaking Gosh. of rain, I never knew how the aerial camera never got rain spots on the camera. 
He says, we currently have a rain spinner over the camera system, which is a glass cover with a motor down below. The glass spins incredibly fast, a few thousand revolutions per minute, which makes the water droplets fly off. That's awesome. I was wondering that as well. Wow. Yeah. Uh, what, a, what a brilliant way to, to solve that problem. He says, there are now times when I can see better through the camera than through the window of the helicopter. Uh, as for what he, how he knows what to focus on, he says, I'm in constant contact with the TV director and there's a producer who speaks to me. Uh, I can look outside, but of course I miss the overview of the race as uh, one has on the ground with all the graphs and data. However, I always have the F1 app open and can wow. sometimes follow the action on the screens uh, that are at the side of the track, which is crazy. <laughs> That's insane. So I combine a lot of sources of information and then I filter out what is important for us in the helicopter. Uh, I might be hearing that they are following a particular particular battle, but if the action takes place at the other side of the track, there's a good chance that by the time we get there or the cars get to us, they are talking about something completely different. So it's important to have an idea of where the story might be going and what the next story can be and not to act on what's going on at that very moment. This sounds incredibly mentally taxing. It sounds awesome. I bet, like, what a fun, like, you know, we've both worked in, like, video production, and we still do, and, like, it reminds me of working on a, like, a stage show, or, you know, for, like, an E3, or working in theater or something, where there's all this build-up for this, like, one window, and then you have to use all of your expertise as well as possible for, like, a couple of hours, and then you're done. Like, what a cool, it's a, what an awesome job, and the fact that he's been doing it since, what, 2008 or something? Like, yeah, clearly he loves it. Yeah. Uh, when asked if any battles he filmed stand out for him, the 2021 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix comes oh, up, yeah. but not for reasons you might think of. He says in Abu Dhabi, we have to actually fly back two laps before the end to capture the fireworks from a distance. Oh. But I was so absorbed in what was going on and suddenly realized, oh, this is the last lap already, but we're still hanging out above the track. We then made sure we got out of there very quickly. <laughs> uh, he also talks at the end here about drones. Uh, he says, I think there's definitely a future for drones, but I do not agree with the idea that they will take over the work of the helicopter camera. I rather see it as something complementary. In my view, a drone can be used as an extension of the camera crane. You can get lower to the ground than a helicopter and play more with the foreground. But I think a helicopter is better at giving the bigger overall picture and offers more dynamics and speed to the images. So I don't feel intimidated or threatened by it. On the contrary, I think we can work perfectly side by side. We're both in contact with the producer who can switch from drone to helicopter and vice versa. There doesn't need to be a conflict there. I, I think I agree with this for now. Maybe, yeah. you know, in the future, drone technology will be different. Because um, the drone experiments that F1 has done have not been good. They are well, as I understand, some like, ugly footage. With, with this kind of aviation, like size equals speed after a point right like you're just going to need uh higher output engines than you can have with the type of like unobtrusive small little drones uh that you can have zipping around like hovering above above street level and like the shots that i really think uh stand out in f1 that from those helicopter shots are we saw when he creates that sort of sense of speed like there's clearly a lot of times where they've had the helicopter waiting for someone to round a corner, say it's Spielberg or something. And then they sort of take off full throttle chasing the action. And you get like a long tracking shot of like the duel, the landscape flashing past the, the, the Vista. It's, it, it's incredible. It's an incredible camera work. It's, it's incredible stuff. And I don't think 
I don't think a drone can do that and stay on top of the cars it's chasing uh, around the track. And I think that's, you know, it, I could I could see it though once they feel more comfortable being like, and we're just we're gonna we're gonna fly bigger camera drones, uh, you know, bigger and faster ones. Uh, then yeah, maybe the helicopter does get supplanted a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, it seems like we're a little ways off from from having what this guy does and what those shots uh, are that he can create uh, being replaced by by a drone. Yeah, because the the whole the so the gimbal which I looked up, it's called the shot over F one. Um. The whole thing weighing off the helicopter weighs 130 pounds. Mm. So that would have to be a big drone. I mean, yeah, you could put, you know, your GoPro on there, but that doesn't look broadcast quality. You know, you want to get a broadcast camera in there and that that's heavy. Um, and then the stabilizers for a broadcast camera as well are going to be even beefier than your regular like drone camera stabilizer situation, you know. Right. So this thing, the gimbal, um, you put your own camera inside it. It's not like an all-in-one deal. Uh, and if you are a camera nerd, I will post the product page in the show notes so you can see what cameras it's compatible with. Um, but uh, yeah, apparently it, it breaks down into a bunch of Pelican cases, the gimbal does, and you can take it onto commercial flights. Wow. So that's, that's how they do it. And that's the helicopter. Neat. Yeah. Also thanks, neat, Danny. Thanks, thanks, Slow Newsweek, for allowing us to talk about some cool <laughs> camera stuff. Uh, yeah, Singapore. Let's talk about it. It's Singapore. been a hot minute since. Um, <clears throat> so, excuse me. It's been a hot minute since we were able to talk about it. Um, Singapore is, uh, in my mind, is still like a new circuit, but that, that's ridiculous because it's been around since uh, 2008. Uh, the fateful year of Crashgate, which you may have heard referenced over the years. Um, uh, on this podcast or just in F1 in general. Uh, this was the incident where uh, Fernando Alonso uh, went on to win the race uh, thanks to Nelson Piquet Jr. who intentionally crashed, uh, was told um, his teammate Renault, his teammate, yeah, was told by Renault um, to crash uh, by Flavio Briatore who was subsequently banned from the sport. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it was when PK was dropped a couple of races later, he basically came out and said, yeah, they told me to crash. <laughs> and that was like a huge <laughs> scandal. Um, it was a kind of a weird crash as well, because he crashed on like a straightaway in the you know first sector. It was kind well, of a, why couldn't cover place. it up. Like once they got the telemetry yeah. from on board, they're like, oh yeah, this is not, this is not a crash. He did not lose that car. He, 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 he wrecked the car. Uh, fun fact, Fernando Alonso posting for Instagram uh, this, this week, hanging out with uh, Flavia. Wonderful night. <laughs> Wonderful night with Flavio Briatore. Good to see an old friend or something like that. That's so oh, funny. Wow. Oh man. Well, there you go. Uh, you know, Alonso for his for his uh, you know, to, he he perhaps wasn't involved in that, you know what I mean? Um he didn't suffer any uh any uh, anything I think after the fact. Um but obviously it was a stain also on on his um and that part of his career. Uh, the track is interesting. It, it's changed a little bit over the years. Uh, infamously, there was this one part called the Singapore Sling, which was a uh, pretty uh, tight chicane at the end of a straight that drivers were basically cutting, and it was kind of throwing their cars in the air, um, track mania style. It was kind of uh, <laughs> too much. Like it was too dangerous. Uh, they they basically needed to get rid of it to stop drivers from 
doing it because the the advantage was too high. So th they turned that into a pretty normal left-hand turn instead. But apart from that, it's remained fairly similar. It's 61 laps, just over five kilometers, six point, uh, sorry, 5.06 uh, kilometers. That's 3.15 miles. Um, it's It's got a lot of turns in it. So it's a street circuit. It's 23 turns. A lot of them are like fairly sharp. Um, it doesn't have all that many straights. There's kind of the the start finish straight and then there's a straight pretty soon after that it's got a little kink in it and um, both of those have drs and then there's a very short straight uh, in the end of sector two which also has a drs zone but it's really physically demanding for the drivers so this is the one where it's nighttime um it's uh it's it's hot it's humid there it's a street circus they constantly have to have their wits about them um and it is a decent amount of laps as well 61 so they tend to, this is the one where they lose like, you know, pounds of water or whatever by the time they're they're done here. So uh, a tricky one usually as well. This will be the first time many of the rookies we've had over the past couple of years have actually been here too. So that's going to be very interesting where a lot of the drivers are going to have to acclimatize themselves to the track. Um, and then as a viewing experience... I think if there's anywhere to like look at, obviously the big overtaking spots here are at the end of the start finish straight, uh, turn the, the complex, I guess, at the end of the start finish straight. It's it's turn one, two, and three, but it's a sort of a weird, I don't know what you'd call this. It's like an inverted chicane or something. It's it's a bunch of sort of wibbly wobbly turns <laughs> um, uh, with a huge amount of runoff on the outside, uh, which usually means the first, uh, you know, the first turn is especially with cold uh, breaks, can be interesting. We've had big pileups here. We've had drivers cut across and take out teammates. Um, it usually gets a little bit spicy there. Uh, and then similarly, especially on the first lap down towards turn seven, which is the turn at the end of the um, famous straight where Crashgate happened, um, you'll see some overtakes there as well. It remains to be seen whether or not these new cars allow people to attempt on some other turns, like turn 13 or 14 um sector three generally you're not going to see many overtakes there unless somebody's done something silly there's a part where you go underneath a grandstand there it's a pretty tight left-hander and sometimes drivers overcook it and end up in the runoff there which is an awkward one to sort of reverse out of almost um but uh yeah we'll have to wait and see if the uh if, if that affects it uh, safety cars here are, are pretty pretty dead on so you're likely to have one here maybe multiple, um, so expect that to be part of tire strategy as well. Yeah, also one of my favorite, just visually, oh, yeah. uh, tracks to watch. It's just, it's it's gorgeous. The helicopter shots, speaking of, um, are, just, uh, are just great. This is the most wipeout of the F1 circuits. It's the one yes. that has, you know, it's in a city, it's in, it's in the middle of a city at nighttime and a city that does not, you know, the... The, I think we, we talked about this on previous um, episodes where the like luminosity on the track is basically daytime. They have like an insane amount of these high voltage bulbs that are blanketing the entire track with with um, with light. Uh, so if you're on the track, it almost feels like daytime. Um, but obviously everything past the track limits is dark. So it's, it's a very, yeah, it's a unique uh, circuit. And it was the first of the night races and it ended up inspiring a bunch of them because... It, they just look rad. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and the drivers... You to, yeah, it allows you to drive in places that are hot as well, you know, in certain times of the year. Yeah, and, and drivers tend to not wear the um, sun visors. Their, their race visors mm. are often clear, 
which in close-up shots, you can actually see their eyes, which is so cool. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, Weather-wise, it's going to be a hot one. Um, Qualifying and race day both look to be about 82 degrees Fahrenheit or 28, 29 Celsius. Woof. um, With 75% humidity. (laughs) And uh, qualifying at qualifying time, we're looking at 40% chance of precipitation. Ooh. And uh, race time, that uh, that climbs to about 50%. So Wow. I'm, I'm struggling to remember the last time we had rain in Singapore. Anyone hmm. remember? I, I feel like it's happened, but it's just very uncommon. It's not that common it seems like a which is surprising because it's it seems like one of those places where kind of like florida where it's so humid (laughs) and it it, you know it's by the water it just like it rains for 20 minutes and then turns off so yeah it it, it may rain and not really matter so (laughs) who knows maybe it's just been Um, so long since we've been to singapore that i'm i'm forgetting but yeah that's that's it's already a challenging track you add rain into the mix here it's it's gonna be super difficult yeah uh, it's going to be super difficult to catch Max Verstappen. He is on top of the driver standings with 335 points. Charles Leclerc is in second with 219. Then Sergio Perez in third with 210. Got George Russell in fourth with 203. Then Carlos Sainz in fifth with 187. Lewis Hamilton's in sixth with 168. Lando Norris has 88. Uh, Esteban Ocon has 66. Fernando Alonso is in ninth with 59. Valtteri Bottas in 10th with 46. Pierre Gasly and Kevin Magnussen are tied in 11th place with 22 points. Sebastian Vettel in 13th with 20. Daniel Ricciardo has 19. Mick Schumacher in 15th with 12. Then we've got Yuki Tsunoda with 11. Zhou Guan Yu with 6. Lance Stroll with 5. Alex Albon with 4. Nick DeVries in 20th position with 2 points. <laughs> and then behind him, Nicholas Latifi and Nico Hulkenberg with zero have we basically the, are we in the position now where Ulkenberg is probably not coming back probably like daniel ricardo is now taking his his uh waiting yeah. in the wings spot you're right so yeah. probably not uh in constructor standings red bull racing is on top with 545 points to ferrari's 406 Mercedes is in third with 371. That's an interesting battle. Uh, Alpine's in fourth with 125. They uh, Mercedes apparently is claiming that Singapore is going to be good for them, so watch out for that. Uh, Alpine's in fourth with 125. McLaren's in fifth with 107. And we've got Alfa Romeo with 52. Gene Haas and team with 34. Alfa Tauri with 33. Uh, Aston Martin in ninth with 25 points. And Williams in tenth with six. Uh, you can join the leaderboards yourself in our fantasy league. Uh, check the link in the show notes to join. And you can also send us an email, shiftf1podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails. What do we got this week, Danny? Yeah, perhaps unsurprisingly after our uh, email bonanza last week, uh, especially with regard to people talking about their experience going to races, uh, we had a bunch of follow-ups in that regard. This one from Jennifer. I recently purchased tickets via F1 Experience and just wanted to point out that they don't necessarily handle all the food and whatnot. Although sold via the F1 site, it's contracted to a company that does all kinds of experiences for major events like the Kentucky Derby, US Open, etc. 
I was able to choose which turn and location, low, mid, upper, but won't get the actual tickets until three weeks before the race. They said F1 hmm. puts aside a certain number for them for experience packages, and then they start issuing three weeks before the race. Second, Andes is amazing. Every location makes their custard on-site and no indoor seating. So you either walk up and sit outside or eat or go through a drive-thru. Uh, they're all about the retro vibe. Super popular in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area. And if you ever get a chance, go try it. Get a root beer or orange freeze smiley face. And that's from Jennifer <laughs> Martinez. Referring to, I believe it's Andy's Frozen Custard, which was... Ah, uh, uh, yes. It was a, it was a, was it a, um, that sounds like a NASCAR sponsor. The kit, it does. Presumably. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. If you're in the DFW, go get some frozen custard. Um, Rob, you want to read this one from Noah? Yeah, Noah writes. <clears throat> I've been curious about getting into IndyCar for a while now, and the Shift F1 crew's recent praise in the mailbag episode sealed the deal. So I signed up for Peacock to get access to the series. Well, okay, that's a bit of a lie. I signed up to Peacock to rewatch Parks and Rec and was then pleasantly surprised to discover it also included IndyCar. <laughs> I'm also excited because I live in Detroit, which means I can go to the 2023 Grand Prix and not even have to deal with travel and lodging. However, as you noted, there is no IndyCar version of Drive to Survive to onboard newcomers yet. Uh, there are a whole lot more drivers and teams to keep track of, plus they're a very different point system. Will you consider doing a preseason primer episode for 2023? The way you do for F1, it would be really helpful. Uh, we'll consider lots of things, uh, <laughs> but I, I agree. Like there's, there's parts of uh, IndyCar that confuse the hell out of me. Like, I don't know how much we're supposed to care about the teams. Like yeah. some teams just run tons of cars and it doesn't That's seem like they operate like a team at all. They just like kind of enable different drivers to go out there and chase the championship, <laughs> which is even more than an F1, all anyone really cares about. Like, I do not get the sense of there being like, Andretti or Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan like beef the way you get a sense of there being like team relationships in F1 so like there's yeah it's a it's a different world uh I think you know I think we'd be happy to do to do a primer but we'd, we'd also have to answer some of these questions uh our, ourselves but uh I'm always happy to hear more people getting in IndyCar uh because it because it is terrific you might want to try out by the way um I think it's it's bus bros uh, <laughs> oh yeah, we linked to it in the yeah last race. Yeah, podcast. Oh no, that's the the show. It's the YouTube. Yeah, yeah. YouTube's, Joseph yeah. Newgarden. Yeah, so, <laughs> so that, that that might be fun. Yeah, it's it's Newgarden McLaughlin, uh, just like giving you a little slice of life of uh, life in the indie <laughs> indie car paddock. So that might be that might be fun for you. I feel like we yeah, did. I, a, did we do we do something years ago? Because we we've often done primers for other racing series on the Patreon feed. I feel, did we do Indy in one stage like four or five years ago? I've, we probably should. A lot's changed, so yeah, it yeah. would be cool to do another. But did we do? I can't even remember. I feel we like did, maybe we, we did, did one but, sports car racing uh, or endurance cop racing, uh, but not not oh. IndyCar that I can remember. And yeah. we've done W series. Maybe we Are haven't we, done IndyCar. Yeah, we did, we did MotoGP with Gurk. Yeah. Back, I was, yeah, and I think we ago. did NASCAR. I think you're right. Maybe it was NASCAR I was thinking of, but but it was very. Yeah. It, it was it was in the guise of oh, we need to go and do the research too, and this is what we have sort of learned. <laughs> yeah, um, which you I'm, know we could do we could do again. I think that I think yeah I, I would like to do that. Uh, it is the the preseason primer episodes um, do take a lot of effort, uh, but for IndyCar, I think the season's slightly different, but also. 
we wouldn't necessarily have to do it for the start of the season. You know, there's less pressure about that. Um, but yeah, I think I think it would be great. I, w- I would love to know a little more about the the ins and outs. I, I think you're right about the teams, though, Rob. Like the the liveries aren't the same. So good luck trying to keep track of what team is what. Liveries aren't even the same race to race. This is the thing where it's like, I just want to <laughs> I just want to run down the pit and like yeah. start beating teams <laughs> with shovels because uh, it's like. And this week we're sponsored by the American Legion, and it's a completely <laughs> different livery. Yeah, yeah. Uh, should I take this one from Nicole? Yes, Drew, go for it. All right. <clears throat> On the last podcast, you were talking about good races to visit in person. I've been to Malaysia, Spa, Azerbaijan, Austria, and Hungary. Wow. So this is this is the cool part about having a podcast because we just get to like crowdsource all of this, you know, <laughs> right. information so we we're can really distill from it. the field. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> By far the best fan experience has been Azerbaijan. It is well-organized. Most large hotels have an F1 rep to answer all questions in the lobby. Uh, Not very crowded. Easy to get in line for driver signatures and do all the things in the fan zone. And you can walk from your hotel. It's also relatively cheap from a lodging and food slash drink at the track perspective. My next favorite has been Austria. As you mentioned on the podcast, lots of people do camp. I found a very nice B&B that was about 30 minutes away in a small village. It was absolutely delightful. It was extremely easy to drive and park free near the track. Uh, entrances were well organized, facilities were great, and the food was reasonably priced. Spa and Hungary were about the same as far as the experience. On Sunday in Hungary, the line for the women's restroom was 40 minutes. Lines mm-hmm. for food were incredibly long. Uh, spa was a good experience, other than the fact that there's no place to stay close by, and it just takes forever to get there with traffic slash walk. Uh, Once you are in, the experience was generally good, although they did have a food and drink ticket system similar to Monza. Uh, (laughs) The queues were very reasonable, though, for both food and the restroom. Not sure if Drive to Survive has changed the gender balance of fans since I went in 2018, and if the restroom lines would not be as short as they were. Wow. Thank you, Nicole. It's exciting. Yeah. All I all I wanted, like the two ones that I always talk about, Baku and Austria. Like uh, Baku is always a, like a wild card. It could be a nightmare. It could be really good. So hearing this makes me feel like, oh, I think that's like, if that's that might be my bucket list drive is to is to go there. It's been striking like watching time. that that GP sort of ascend the power rankings of <laughs> right? like <Yeah>. cool races. <laughs> First, I'm like, ah, last thing we need is another shitty street course. What's all this <laughs> about? And then petrochemical like, stage. Like, what are you yeah. doing? And then two years later, I'm like, and they go through a little castle. It's like the size of a mail slot. <laughs> Yeah, we've had so many like good incident races there, incidents there. Like you know the way I feel like so much of the like pleasure of F one tracks when we go back to them is you go to a turn and you remember something that happened. And Baku is just full of them. It's it's either it's obviously the Red Bulls crashing into each other on the straight. It's Hamilton, uh, uh, you know, messing up with his brakes. It's Vettel and Hamilton having their little argy-bargy. It's Roman Grosjean crashing under safety car. There's just like... <laughs> God, you're right. There's so many good bits. Charles Leclerc hitting the castle. Uh, you know, it's just full of also, moments. It seems you know? like one of those cities that is like... One of the clearest places you can see uh, an example of like, oh, multiple cultural and architectural influences converged here and yeah. synthesized into something that you just don't see elsewhere. It looks like very distinctive identity from like 
uh, a lot of other venues they go to. Yeah, and it's it's also like you know a lot of the races are in countries that I have either been to or would happily go to anyway. Like I've been to most of the countries in Europe, you know, Western Europe. Whereas, like, I don't think there's any other reason I would ever go to Azerbaijan. <laughs> so, like, sure, like that sounds like a like a good time. Did you hear MotoGP next year is going to be racing in Kazakhstan? Oh wow, really? Yeah, that's wild. Just yeah. in the hills. Where was that? Where you were? Where did you? I go was in for Mongolia. Mongolia, you went to. Oh my god, outer or yeah. inner? Uh, the outer. <laughs> awesome. Um, and I'll take this last one from Adrian. Adrian says, "I looked up the Las Vegas Sphere and its nuts." <laughs> so this is the thing we yeah. talked about last week, where we were like, "Why did I put this weird ball on the picture of Las Vegas? What's that about?" Apparently, it's a real thing. Uh, according to Adrian, it's an entertainment slash music venue that should be fully constructed by the time the race in Vegas happens. Um, you can go to MGS, well, uh, yeah, MGSSphere.com to learn more. Uh, I think it's at, MSG Sphere. It's, oh, sorry, yeah. Although Monosodium a Metal Gear Glutamate. Solid Sphere would actually be pretty cool. <laughs> That's it. I went with MGS. Uh, if, if I was a, a, an Asian chef, I would have gone with MSG probably. My brain has been wired to say M, 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 MGS. MSGSphere.com. It's pitched mm. as the largest spherical structure on Earth. And holds 20,000 people. And apparently the entire inside and outside of the structure uh, is going to be some sort of digital or projected screens. So there you go. This feels like the opening to a disaster movie, though. (laughs) Come one, come all to the opening of the largest spherical structure on Earth. Accommodates 20,000 people covered in electronics and high voltage. Nothing bad could possibly happen. Yeah, are they going to, like, race motorcycles inside here? You know, like the the Thunderdome? does sound like the type of place you'd want to not be during an earthquake, uh, you know, unless you want a television to land on your head or, I don't know, maybe it rolls down the, the track. Is it entirely spherical? Like, are they saying the base of this thing is also, <laughs> to be a sphere, it's not, they're not saying it's a dome, right? Yeah, you they're can't just cut the bottom sphere. of the sphere and say it's a sphere, no. so you're going to you're gonna have to mount that thing. It's going to have to be on like you, a little, like, yeah. T. So could you fall and, like, <laughs> slide to the bottom of the sphere by accident and I have to, like, scoop you up? Oh, there's going to be so much change down there. <laughs> you're right people start using it as a wishing well and then eventually like you know 20 years later it'll it'll get debalanced and roll down the strip and i what can't believe gonna, this is a real thing i I, gonna, I thought sorry, for sure what, what are they putting it i guess okay music entertainment okay yeah it's a big vr headset you sit in it sounds like yeah <laughs> it brings a whole new experience to uh performances in the round yeah good point they'll yeah they'll stick Cirque the soleil in here and they'll be like swooping up and over you and then it'll shut down after 10 years because nobody went to it and it'll be stuck this is what william shakespeare always intended <laughs> this, is, this was his dream you know it was called the globe theater because he wanted it to be a sphere uh, <laughs> Funny technology. it actually reminds me of like inside it could probably look something like is rob is it the imperial senate yeah. In the, uh, okay. <laughs> in Star yeah, Wars. No, actually, that, uh, that actually is like kind of like what I'm thinking. Like, what's going to look like the seating arrangements in here? Kind of has to look yeah. like the Imperial Senate, right? L- unless you're only going to cover halfway up to like the hemisphere, at which point you just got normal risers. But like, That's if you're going fully make use of that sphere, you're going to have to have people like, oh, uh, cantilevered like, out and over. 
even even if they only went halfway up, I don't like the idea of being in like sheer seats that high up. Like maybe in a theater, like a box or something. But like you know, being at the like the, the, Danny, the last like Danny, ten people rows. Pay, people pay wild amounts of money to be have their asses hauled off the ground while they eat a picnic dinner at a big table, <laughs> just like get held aloft by a crane. Oh, okay. There's a video on their site, MSG Sphere slash or dot com slash about. Uh, it shows it's like an amphitheater. It's like the Hollywood Bowl, but a but another bowl on top. Mm. Well, that's bullshit. Okay. <laughs> is this, the, is this yeah. the video? Yeah. This video is the most we have made. We have built nothing, but we have a concept ass video I've ever we seen. Got, yeah, we got renders. Well, look at that. It looks Jack. like they've got a superstructure happening here. Standard yeah. cinema screen. Large format screen. Full 4D effects. 4D. It's going to be like Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. They're going to start <laughs> spritzing you. Is this in D-Box? <laughs> Is D-Box still a thing? That would have been good for, for Top Gun Maverick. Oh, yeah. Speaking of cameras on, on things that fly... I watched that last week. Mm-hmm. Boy, oh boy, that's a that movie's a good time. That's a I need to watch. Movie. I need to, I, like, when's the 4K out? It's you can rent it now. It's only whatever five bucks on TV. I, I probably should have gone to a cinema, but I was like, I don't know. I'm not getting COVID for Tom Cruise. I'll watch. He wouldn't be happy with that. He'd scream at me if I got COVID for this movie. Rob Rob you know doesn't I mean? doesn't stream films. He only streams uh, things we talk about for the Patreon. Yeah, oh, anyway, so what do you, what do you usually do? You just what? You just get a 4K, yeah, Blu-ray. Purest. Gotta form. get my bitrate like right. Mm-hmm. Dude, the opening to the movie is the most like Tony Scott ass thing ever. They just like replicate the original, but like with better cameras, and it's so good. Oh, yes, I'm like so just orange ass it. skies with like you know. It's like those yeah, guys it's on just ah. Well, it's fan service, but good. Yeah, you think the about whole way through. How much, <laughs> given who Tom Cruise turned into? How much it must irk him to go back to Top Gun, or must have irked him to go back to Top Top Gun, and like know they had support from the Navy, they could have done a whole bunch of things with it, and see like how kind of cheesy it is, like for extensive portions of it, (laughs) and like no, we could we could have been way more extreme, and we will be more extreme. (laughs) Yes, I will. I will strap cameras to these old ass jets and force the actors to film themselves because we can't communicate with them while we're flying around death valley uh it's wild anyway it's 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 f1 adjacent i feel like jets are you know yeah. uh in italian f1 drivers are called pilotos mm, good point gotta go fast as tom cruise always says <laughs> gotta go fast uh, gotta gotta check out our twitter account shift up one podcast at shift up one podcast i'm at drew scanlon daniel dwyer is at daniel dwyer rob zachney is uh-huh. at rob zachney that is us around the internet should we take it around the world danny let's race around the way yeah all right the world rally championship is kicking things off on thursday uh in uh rally new zealand New Zealand. Brett, Jermaine, got you guys a gig? <laughs> it's at the rally race. Be a lot good. of cars there. Probably won't be able to hear you. The crazy dogs are playing. Uh, the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship is at Road Atlanta for the Motul Petit Le Mans. 
Mm. 10 hours. That's a lot. We've got the Camping World Trucks at the Talladega Speedway in Talladega, Alabama for the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series Playoff <laughs> Race at Talladega. Wow. <laughs> Found my new ringtone. <laughs> Uh, the NASCAR Xfinity Series also at Talladega for the Sparks 300. Oh, yes, it was the Andy's Frozen Custard 300 last week. Yeah, the there we go. Way. Sparks. Sparks just doesn't have the same feel to it. I went, there's no, it's not oh, custard, it's it? not frozen. I don't think I've ever had Sparks. Well, when they used to have caffeine and uh, alcohol together oh. in one drink. That's what was ringing a bell. I was like, wait a second, okay. wait a second. I, I, remember store. I remember we had go-getters. <laughs> By the way, the winner of the uh, previous race, uh, Noah Gragson, has a serious mullet. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's, uh, it's impressive. You got a mustache? Uh, where else are we racing? Well, the W Series is supporting Formula One this weekend in Ooh, Singapore. Nice. We've also got uh, MotoGP in Thailand at the Chang International Circuit. Super GT is racing at Autopolis. Oh, I love Autopolis. Uh, located near the Kamitsue Village in Hita City, Oita Prefecture. Top 10 prefecture. Yeah, Autop- Autopolis is awesome. I love it. I want to go there. <laughs> it's, a whole, it's where John Lasseter went there and then said, I'll make a movie about this. And that was Cars. That's, that's the history. <laughs> And then we also got. <laughs> and then what happened to him, Danny? <laughs> and then, and then, and then he got credited on them. I was watching. I it was such a. I had like. I, I got like. I had like a moment where I was like, uh, because I was watching the the movie. Is it Luck or Lucky Luck? Which, by the way, is as an Irish person, is like the psalm. It's like it's difficult. It's like it's. It was perhaps the most egregious Irish bullshit, like Leprechaun terrible accents which is saying something because oh, i'll order the rings tv show those village those fucking tree <laughs> people i swear to god that is the worst I, I have to fast forward i have not seen any of oh. that part of the plot i have fast forward because it is so <laughs> unbearable to my irish ears it is it is unbelievable <laughs> what noises they're making out of their mouths i cannot fucking deal with it lenny henry's in it who's a comedian an english comedian i like but he's all no bigara jesus bollocks and i'm like what is i have to fast forward these things <laughs> But anyway, John Lasseter made the terrible, or he was part of the team who made that movie, Luck, which is about a black cat and Simon Pegg's in it doing a Scottish accent. So really, it's bad for Irish people and Scottish people, which is saying something. Wow. I can't Luck. believe I'm bringing this up during the race around the world section where all I do is accent. So I guess I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> Shit's getting very real <laughs> as the UK breaks out. It's all coming out. <laughs> and it's all John uh, Lasseter's fault. NASCAR. NASCAR, <laughs> yes, true. Also at Talladega. We for the Yellowwood 500. Yellowwood? Ye- yellow. Y-E-L-L-A. Is that Camel like... Case W-O-O-D. Hey, we got some oh. emails about Camel Case. Camel Case <laughs> apparently is not... Ca- <clears throat> I have to break the accent. Apparently Pascal Camel Case. Case is what I was trying to think of. Is that where you do the underscores, or is that? No, that's so okay. Um, Pascal case is capital letter first, 
then lowercase letters, then another capital letter without a space, and then lowercase letters. Camel case starts with lowercase. Yes, that's what what I got the emails about. Although some people maybe refer to it as like upper camel case or lower camel case. Like there's another Mm -hmm. word for it. Yeah, there's a whole, there's a, I found a Wikipedia article. It's uh, it's extensive. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. Uh, Formula One, maybe you've heard of it. It's also this weekend. Kicks off Friday, September 30th at uh, 6 a.m. is free practice time, Eastern time on ESPN2, followed by free practice 2 at 9 a.m. Eastern on ESPNU. Saturday, October 1st, free practice 3 is at 6 a.m. Eastern on ESPN2, followed by qualifying at 9 a.m. Eastern on ESPN News. And the race, everyone, Sunday, October 2nd at 8 a.m. Eastern on ESPN2. The deuce. It's 5 a.m. here. Oh. Yep. I'll be there. I'll wake up for this one. This one is a fun race. Usually it's a fun race. You know, usually stuff happens. Even if it's not a competitive race, usually a fun race. Usually someone bins it or does something silly or hits a wall or crashes intentionally. So Fernando Alonso will do well. You just never know. You never know. You never uh, final thoughts. Is the, are those your final thoughts, Danny? Those are my, sorry, jump the gun. Those are my final thoughts. No, it's I don't okay. have any other final thoughts. Uh, don't watch that terrible movie. Well, I'm sorry. If anyone else worked on Luck who listens to this, I'm sorry. It's just that I just can't deal with the accents. That's the main thing. And also, it's not great seeing John Lasseter's name at the start of a movie. You're like, ah. It's like, when, why is Louis C.K. appearing on podcasts again? I keep, what, what's going on? Is, is there a time limit on assholes? <laughs> That's my <laughs> oh, question. Yeah. Clearly. Is there a time limit on assholes? Okay, yeah. Or maybe we're all just getting old and time, I don't know. Is there a time limit on final assholes? Thoughts, That's my final thought. <laughs> uh, stay away from the Yellowwood website. You'll, you'll, you'll go there and you'll immediately want to buy a place with a yard and build a deck in that yard. <sighs> and then do other. I'm looking, I'm looking at like, oh man, that's a great trellis. Oh, wow. What are my life to... like if I had a trellis? Should we move to like Idaho or somewhere or like where is it? Where Kentucky? I think I think uh, like my 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 plan is Maine. Maine. Because mm. then it, it's it's like you're in Idaho, but you're not. You're still on the East Coast and a few hours from major cities. Do they have fiber in Maine? I'll let you know. I'll work on that. Okay. Thanks. They got rich people up there. Where's rich people? There's fiber somewhere. <laughs> can I get? Can I get near enough of the rich people to extend a little proboscis to their fiber Please, line? Sir. I don't know. Please, sir, can I have some data? Oh boy! If you would like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes and the official Shift F1 Discord, you could do so over at Patreon.com/ShiftF1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Meow.